welcome to Writing in Faith, a podcast about the Christian and writing life. I'm your host, Daniel Didek, and this week we're going to be talking about seizing the day. Most of us want to get things done or make steps towards some goal or other, but oftentimes we simply don't do it. Today's talk is going to give you some tips on moving past that and making noticeable definitive steps toward living the life God has laid out for you. All that and more is on the way. It has been a bit of a week here, let me tell you. Some exciting things going on. Still moving forward with cover art. Actually got the first proof back for the Kindle version from my cover artist, and it's it's really coming together nice. We're liking the way it's matching up with the theme that we've been running with in the first two books. Excited to continue that with book three here. And then on the other end of it, in tandem with releasing book three, I'm also going to be releasing the kind of updated versions of books one and two. So as I mentioned before, there's nothing like major issue changes with them. I've added two little bits to book one just to kind of help with some tie-ins later on in the series. Again, nothing that you need to like repurchase the book for. If you have the trade paperback version, it's still good. Kindle version will update automatically. So if you've purchased the Kindle version, you'll get the new version anyway. And then book two... Most of that, again, is spelling errors and typographical errors that I've found, especially now, you know, I went back through, it took me a couple of days this past week to go through everything, trying to get it, you know, out and ready for Amazon to receive and trying to work out little bugs and issues with the formatting there. And as I was doing that, finding a lot, a lot of errors. So those will all be cleaned up. Again, the trade paperback version that you have, if you have one, is still relevant. I don't know if I actually changed anything of the text of it except for fixing those errors. Book one, like I said, I, I inserted two little like one-sentence things that weren't in there before. But those will be released whenever I go to do the pre-orders for book three. So pre-orders are going to open up in a couple weeks here. If you sign up for my newsletter on danieldidek.com, you're going to get an early look at the cover as well as some things going on around the release date and around pre-orders and things like that. You're going to get the information on that about a week ahead of everyone else. So after I send out that newsletter about a week later, I'll post all, you know, basically all that same information to Twitter and Facebook and places like that. So head over to my website, sign up for the newsletter. Now you get that early looking forward to that and getting excited for it. And it's going to release. Like I said, we're still looking at probably late May for this to come out. Awesome stuff happening here. Keeping at it, working hard. Moving on to today's devotion. Today, we're going to end up taking another tour of the Bible, pulling passages from all over the place as we study this idea of starting today to live the life you want to be living tomorrow or even 10 years down the road. Assuming by this point that you have at least some idea of what it is you want to do, whether that's a dream you have or even just a recognition of the gifts, talents, and godly desires you've been given. If you don't, or if you don't even know what I'm talking about, consider listening to my episode on the kingdom of heaven from March 14th and living your best life from March 21st. And I'll put the links in the description for you. But let's say you have that idea. What do you do with it? It could be that you've settled into a career and life that seems to inhibit your pursuit of whatever that dream is. Or maybe it's just something that you had never considered before and you don't even know the first step you need to take. Maybe you have started working toward it, but everything in the day seems to just pile up. Or as you consider what it is you need to do, thinking about all the demands already on your life make you think there's no way you can pursue it. This is often the place I find myself whenever I think of some of the projects I want to pursue. I don't have time or money or the freedom to really go after it the way that I want to. So the first thing you're going to need to do if you find yourself in this situation is to prayerfully consider your dream. Maybe, like me, you have a couple different things you want to pursue. Pick one to start. Maybe the one that you're most passionate about, which is what I would suggest, or maybe just the one that seems the easiest. 
While I don't want you to limit God's ability on your life and what he has planned for you, sometimes pursuing something easy and gaining confidence from its completion is the best first step. Once you've picked one and are in prayer, honestly consider if it is the proper season for this goal. I know some Christians may like to think that God can do anything at any time, and from human standards, that's true. But God will never act in contradiction with his time frame. Consider Ecclesiastes chapter 3. For time's sake, I won't read the whole passage, and you may be familiar with what it says. But the chapter begins, There is a time for everything, and a season for every activity under the heavens. And consider especially the second part of verse 2, A time to plant, and a time to uproot. Deciding to plant a garden in July is foolish, at least in the northern hemisphere. And not the foolishness of a god that is wiser than human wisdom, this is just foolish to everyone. Now, you can decide in July that you want to have a garden, that's not a problem. And there may be some autumn plants that you can put to seed right now. But if you decide late in the year that you do want to have a garden, you still have plenty of time to start planning it. And that's the key with this step while you're praying. That just because the time to start is not yet, does not mean you'll need to completely abandon the dream. But this might be something that, when you lay out some small steps toward it, you can prioritize it low, so if you find yourself with an extra bit of time one day, you can work on those steps. And then, as you get closer to the start date, you can elevate the priority of this particular dream or project. So once you've prayed through it, and gotten peace on what it is God would have you pursue the most earnestly today, getting started on it can still be an issue. There may be some fears or obstacles you see, So let me encourage you with this, something God reminded me of a number of years ago. I've talked about this in a previous episode. He will never ask you to do something that cannot be done. Consider John chapter 6. In this accounting of the feeding of the 5,000, we get an interesting insight into Jesus. In verses 5 through 7, it says, When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. See, Philip thought Jesus would ask something impossible. And as we read, we see that the faithfulness of the other apostles, and especially the faithfulness of Jesus, was enough to give everyone a lot more than a single bite. But when Jesus asks or commands, it is never something that is impossible. Maybe impossible for us on our own, but not with him. And since we're supposed to remain in him anyway, it should amount to the same thing. Maybe you're not struggling with whether God can do it or not. Maybe instead, you're looking at everything else going on in your life and you think, maybe in a couple months when this or that situation has quieted down, or after this big event has come and gone, I'll get started then. While I do this less on a large scale, as long as I have time today, I can generally get myself started on it. What I do is delay on a smaller scale. Well, I may only have a couple minutes and I don't want to get started and just get interrupted. Now, sometimes this is a legitimate concern. You don't want to be elbow deep in batter and your child wakes up. And I say this is one who cooks, so I'm not picking on women here. But there may be times that getting started right this minute is worse than delaying an hour or a day. The problem begins when this is a recurring habit, and a week or month goes by, and this thing that you should be doing has gone completely undone. So here's another verse from Ecclesiastes that I want to encourage you with. This is in chapter 11, verse 4, which says, Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. Maybe that doesn't sound very encouraging, but I know it helps me to ground myself in reality. There will be wind and there will be clouds. Considering farming methods back then, where a farmer physically casts seed, any sort of wind might mean your seed scattering beyond your fields and being unfruitful. Rain, while you're trying to plant, means the seeds won't disperse the way they should, but will get heavy and clump together. But you don't know when the wind may come or go, and clouds do not always open up. But if you constantly worry, thinking, what if it rains? What if the wind gusts? What if something else comes up and demands my attention so that I can't continue what I was doing? 
you will never take steps toward your goal. And assuming this goal is from God, Satan will love nothing more than to distract you from the work God has given you to do. So just don't think about it. Again, assuming you've prayed and the season is not off, that you're not trying to plant a garden in July, don't worry about what may happen tomorrow or what your schedule might look like in a month. Just make your goals and pursue them. More often than not, once you begin to do the work, see the fruit, and feel your excitement over doing it, you won't let your schedule become so hectic as to cut it out. I read an article once that suggested you should not share your goals or dreams with other people. Keep them to yourself, it advised, because by sharing them, you may never actually do them. The reasoning was very interesting to me. Essentially, what was happening was that when you receive positive feedback from the people you share your goal with, that happiness that you feel is equal to the happiness of actually completing the goal. So your brain feels rewarded without ever having to actually do the thing you set out to do. So here's something I want you to consider, and this is applicable mostly to Christians who have a different hope. Once I had a dream, I've mentioned this before in the episode on Author Brand, where I wanted to do something creative with my passion for mountain biking. This dream still exists, and I have a lot of things in place to pursue this goal, but right now just isn't the proper season. But the other thing that happened was, as I began sharing this goal and some of the things I would achieve while pursuing it, I did get positive feedback, and the passion for the dream began to wane. So it seemed like I was falling into the trap that this article warned us about. Here's the problem, and what I want you to consider. If positive feedback is the reward, what was the true purpose of your goal? Now, you're going to need to answer this honestly, and I'm not trying to necessarily contradict what I think the article was trying to say. But for me personally, in regards to this specific goal, my passion did become more about my own glory than God's. I was excited not for the end product and how it might change lives, but more excited for the personal effort it would take and what people would think of me for being able to undertake that effort. Now that I realize that, the goal is definitely right back on the table, but the end product is no longer going to have any indication of how much effort it took for me to get it done. Jesus gives an interesting warning in Luke chapter 10, verse 20. The disciples have just come back from being sent out two by two and are excitedly reporting how even the demons obey them. In verse 20, Jesus says, However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I think he saw in them what might sometimes be in us, that if our focus is on ourselves, we can quickly go astray. And instead, we need to constantly be focused on heaven and ensuring that we get there. One final thing I want to encourage you with, and this is for those whose goals and dreams are either very large, very complex, or may not be completed for a long time. This encouragement comes from Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, which says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Now, you can't control the dream or goal you have, but you can control the steps you take to get to it. Now, hopefully you're in prayer this whole time, because Proverbs 16.9 also says, In their hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So we're not talking here about doing whatever you want. What we're trying to do is help ourselves to stay motivated to pursue the dreams and goals God has already given us, and not let Satan distract us from it. So what I'm asking you to do here is break down that large, complex, or delayed goal into smaller chunks that you can do today and feel yourself making progress toward it. This comes in handy, say, for writing a book. By setting a goal of 500 words a day, I will one day make it to 200,000, the goal for book four. But if I'm stuck only on the 200,000 word mark and months go by without reaching it, that could be very demoralizing and may cause me to give up on it. And Satan surely wins. Next to keeping us from God, Satan's goal will be to keep us from being effective in our work here on earth. And he doesn't care about obstacles in his way or how long it might take. He'll chip away at you any way he can. 
To defeat him, we'll need to be just as tenacious and patient as him, doing everything we can every day. So do as Ecclesiastes 11 verse 6 says, Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let your hands not be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. Make your goals with God. Plan steps that will help you reach them, and be diligent to pursue those steps regardless of what's standing in your way. And start living the life he's called you to today. There's a well-known and much-fabled obstacle that writers, and sometimes even non-writers, are familiar with. Writer's block. It can hit anyone, anywhere, anytime, and often for reasons surpassing all understanding. Now, there's a ton of advice on this topic swirling around the internet, practical ways to get creative juices flowing, and sometimes it's as simplistic as see to it that you're inspired every morning at 9 a.m. or whatever like Faulkner was. Sometimes there are different exercises you can do. For this, too, you're going to need to assess your writer's block to determine how to move past it. I've come up with a few different ways that writer's block can manifest itself, and we're going to discuss them now. The first one is the blank page block. You have this glaring white screen or empty notebook page, and heavens above, you're expected to put something good on it. Now, I've not had to deal with this one personally, but I've always had more of a positive outlook on the blank page. It's not a burden, oh my gosh, I have to fill this whole thing, but rather it's opportunity. There's no demands, no mold I have to fit. I get to write whatever I want. I mean, not entirely true. We've talked about structure and all that. But at the page level, structure isn't that big of an issue. Maybe this is because I'm a planter, so I have a notion of where I'm going, but no strict requirements. So there's still a lot of discovery in even a single page for me. So maybe for you, if you're a plotter, start your page with some rambling dialogue between characters or scene description, something to begin to fill the page, but set a limit maybe a paragraph or two, maybe 10 lines, but get yourself to a point where the page is no longer blank. Then shift to what you actually need to write and delete the first bits later. Maybe you could cover your screen if you're on a laptop and just look at your keyboard and write, or have a note card with some things written on it and clip it to the top of your notebook. Again, if you can't look at a blank page as opportunity and possibility, but only as responsibility and demands, do something to fill it in a little bit before you actually get to the story. The second kind of writer's block is when you're staring at the blinking cursor at the end of a bunch of stuff you've already written and you can't move on. This one I dealt with a ton, especially early on. I'd write myself to a point from which I could not move on. And since I would know that, I often wouldn't even open the document. Days and sometimes weeks would go by without writing a thing or even trying. And do you know what finally worked? I would delete that last paragraph and start again from the end of the previous one. Every single time I did... I would reach the end of the new paragraph and keep going. At that time, I sometimes just wrote myself into a corner with no real good way to move forward, even at the paragraph level. I just couldn't figure out a good transition into the next sentence or paragraph. It could be that you two had somehow gotten off track in the preceding lines, and if you back up and try again, you'll keep going that time. Another facet to this trick, and my current standard, is once I've reached my word count goal for the day, right now at 500 words, I don't stop until I know what the next several lines will be. I certainly don't stop if I have no idea what is supposed to come next. This way, when I come back the next day or on Monday if it's the weekend, I'll be able to pick right back up and transition into writing mode super quickly. I highly, highly recommend this practice to everyone. It's probably the single most effective thing I've found to increase the productivity of my writing time. Sometimes I'm 100 or 200 words toward my goal before I finally have to start thinking of the next thing to write. Sometimes I've even surpassed my goal of 500 before I have to sit back and think, okay, what's next? That is an awesome feeling and one I want you to experience as often as you can. The third kind of writer's block, and our final one for today, is when you don't even make it to the page. 
Now, there can be a few reasons for this. Your brain or body is tired, you have something else always pressing for your time, or you feel like there's no point because your writing sucks. So this is kind of a three-in-one writer's block. Brain tiredness I've had. For me, this was more of a seasonal thing, and so I didn't stress over much about it. I just didn't write, and I was okay with that. That might not be you. Maybe you're one of those whose characters or words are screaming for release and keeping you up at night. I don't know what demands might be on you, so I don't want to be flip or insensitive. For those who can, strongly assess what your current commitments are, remembering that saying yes to one thing is saying no to another. If you are a writer, and if words are demanding to be released, you are, that needs to begin to take precedence over some other things. You will have to prayerfully consider what those are, and I won't attempt to do it for you. I will encourage you, hopefully, with this. Your writing is important. Claim that for yourself. As Sanderson says, it doesn't matter if it makes you money now or ever will. Plenty of people make time in their day for a game of pickup basketball without ever thinking of joining the NBA. Writing is good for you, it's never a waste of your time, and it is worth as much or more than a lot of other things in the world. Keep reminding yourself of that. But remember too that you may go through seasons. At the busy times for my job, I would be out walking ridiculous hills in heavy boots and long clothes in the hot sun for six to eight hours a day, and the last thing I wanted to do when I got home was to try to create. And so I didn't, and I didn't beat myself up about it. I knew I would get back into writing when the season was right, and sure enough, I cranked out the last 30 or 40,000 words of book three in a couple months. I also have a hard time understanding the concept of thinking that your writing sucks. Now, as I've mentioned also in an earlier episode, back in the beginning, I moved the start of By Ways Unseen back into the past and wrote six chapters to return to the original beginning. And when I got there, I was able to see how much I'd improved by then, so I rewrote the next five or ten chapters. I forget how many. I don't know if it was just another aspect of seeing possibility and potential like I do with a blank page, but I still looked at my old writing and was only happy about how much better I had gotten. And even if I write some line or other today that tomorrow's light shows to be less than my best, I just fix it and move on. So I don't know, maybe if you can't get yourself to write because you think you suck, there might be a much deeper self-confidence issue or ability to accept failure as an opportunity to do better or even just looking at the positive side of things instead of the negative. Any one of those attitudes might need to be addressed because that will make you a better person overall and more effective in God's kingdom and able to do the work he has prepared in advance for you to do. Consider Christ's death on the cross. If you can, watch the passion of the Christ. The Son of God did not endure such incredible torture and sacrifice to make a way for you to suck. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. His joy was not in the pain and torment of the crucifixion, but in bringing you and I back into relationship with God, part of which includes empowering us to do all that he has called us to do. He did not undergo all that for someone who sucks and who will always suck. What you do, if you do it for God, is important, and he can empower you to grow and get better and to complete it. This is to my Father's glory. Jesus says in John 15 verse 8, that you bear much fruit. Of course he's going to help you. If you remain in him, if your focus is on him, and your goals are for his sake and not your own. So I hope that this has been encouraging for you. That's all the time we have for this week. Come back again next week as we talk about foreshadowing, how God's promises early in the Bible were fulfilled in Christ, and how to foreshadow even the twistiest ending to your novel. Until then, keep the faith and keep writing.